Wonderful. Well, it's good to be with you all this morning. So we're in the, in the middle then of this mini series, if you like, on church planting. And we really feel, Steve and I feel really stirred about this at the moment. And it's wonderful earlier to hear about these other guys planting churches in Berlin and in Paris across Europe. And, uh, and to hear from Dave Holden, I, I thought what he said was lovely to hear him endorsing and encouraging us as a church family that we've got, if like him, and whole of new ground behind us as we look to see um, where God is leading us as a church and what the next things that he has for us. In this series so far, we've looked at God calling Abraham. We've looked at God leading God's people into the promised land. Last week, Steve looked at the the early church planters in the book of Acts, the, the church in Antioch, God's called River Church, to be an Antioch church, sending people Um, you know, into new communities with the gospel. You know, God calls and God sends. Now this morning, um, we're going to be focusing our attention on what it means to church plant today. What does it mean to be a church planting church today? And um, originally, I'd prepared some some material uh, and I'd been thinking that God was stirring me and wanted to stir us about sort of the history of church planting in the UK, how it developed over the centuries, and, you know, looking at maybe some of the pioneers of faith who saw churches planted across the UK over the last um, number of centuries, very recent time. And we've seen a lot of pioneers who have planted churches. We've seen the raise of other de- uh, the raising up of other denominations where you know, churches have been planted, Methodist churches, Baptist churches. People have gone into new communities with an expression of the Christian church to take the good news of Jesus into these communities. But we've also seen, again over these recent centuries, of pioneers who've gone overseas from the UK to uh, plant churches in places like China, Africa, people like James Fraser and Hudson Taylor, great heroes of faith of mine who just left everything and just took the gospel to another nation that was totally um, free from understanding Jesus and the understanding of the gospel. And these people saw churches established in places where they were Jesus-free zones. And just one person I, I will just highlight, Barclay Buxton, I don't know if anyone's ever heard of him, but he was... Uh, a man who went to uh, Cambridge University, and he made a decision to follow Christ when he heard D.L. Moody speaking at a mission in Cambridge. And so he was then inspired when he gave his life to follow Christ. He was inspired to give his all in order to see the outworking of the gospel, to see others come to know and come to faith in Jesus. So much so that he went to Japan in 1890, 130 years ago. He went to Japan in October in 1890. And that was a big step in those days. You'd have to go by boat, and he didn't know the language. He would have had to have studied the Japanese language. But because the call of God was on his life, he went. He went. He went to tell people about Jesus. And within two years, Barclay Buxton saw seven new churches planted in Japan. 
The hand of God was on his life, on his ministry, on the passion he had to tell people about Jesus. Within two years, he saw seven new churches. Just one example of people being called and being sent. You know, as amazing as all that is, I really, today, I really wanted to spend 10 minutes <laughs> um, looking at how God is moving today. How God is on the move, how God is stirring up his church for mission. Right here, right now. I think, you know, we feel stirred for mission. And this is not just us. You know, this, I read this recently, a recent document. In fact, I think it's only 12 months old. And this is a document published by the Church of England. They did a a study on um, church and and how the church was going to grow and what have you. And the Bishop of Chelmsford said this, Stephen Cottrell. He says, if the church were to construct such a list, a list of perhaps how to impact the community, then church planting would be near the top. It only feels like something new because we forgot to remember it. This will come up on the screen at some point. Every church was planted once. Every church had a beginning. River Church Sutton had a beginning. 14 years ago in a sixth form centre in a secondary school in Sutton. It had a beginning. This beginning arose out of a response to God and the desire to reach out to a community of people who did not yet know Christ. This is written by a bishop in the Church of England. And he goes on to say this, forming a new Christian community was the best way to serve these people and share the gospel. In our own day, we are beginning to remember how to plant churches. And he says that this is a great movement of the Spirit and a huge blessing to the nation we are called to serve. Wonderful to hear that coming from a bishop in the Church of England. And I read this morning even that the Diocese of Chelmsford have, um, have done a, a statement recently And in it, they said, we are on a mission to plant 101 new churches, new church communities in Essex, East London, over the next 10 years. What a great vision. What a great vision that this bishop has obviously caught hold of something of God to plant new communities in Essex and East London. You know, church planting is not a new thing. But I believe God is doing a new thing in us. He's doing a new thing in this nation. Within the greater church, within new frontiers. You know, even just hearing Dave Holden, and we've spent a bit of time with him over the last, uh, different times over the last few months, and he is being stirred to seeing church planting being more on the agenda, more on his page in terms of sending people in the UK. God is wanting us to catch something of what he is doing and what he is wanting to do through us. You know, and this conference has given Steve and I fresh eyes, really, to see what God is doing. I mean, it's very timely to come at this point. They only do it every two years, 
And it's just come right at this moment. Coincidence. You know, and really, I was blown away at the conference. I mean, um, Steve said to me yesterday, this is probably the best conference I've been to. You know, <laughs> say that again? Yeah. And, and the reason for that is because time and time again, we were, uh, we were just blown away. People were sharing a depth of love for people, love for the gospel, that they were given everything to take the gospel to new places. You know, the room was full. There was 160 delegates, 160 people there from across new ground and relational mission, which is another uh, new frontier sphere. And just time and time again, session after session, hearing of people that were just committed to going, willing to go, willing to give up everything. I mean, on the first night, just speaking to one lady who uh, lives in um, Essex, I think it was, and she had recently just sold her house to go and move into central London with her wife and children. And she had nowhere to, I think she was going to rent a house and she was going to use the money that she'd had for the mortgage, that she'd obviously raised the deposit, was sewing into her house in, in this place in Essex, and she was just going to use that money just to pay for the rent of a property in Camden. That was it. You know, that's, that's her, her future, you know, what's the word? Nest egg, that's the phrase. And she's just going to spend it on rent to fulfill the calling of God in her life, to be in central London, to reach people in central London because she felt called. That was the first night. There was one time uh, in the, on the first day I got prayed for because I, I felt that God was, was doing stuff in me. I love Nathan's testimony. You know, what's the biggest challenge in the church? Me! But God was doing stuff in him. But God did stuff for me on that first day and there's this... A uh, guy, pastor from Serbia, who was laying hands on me, praying for me. And his son was there with him. And this pastor from Serbia couldn't speak a word of English. And so his son did all the interpretation as he was praying. And, and I'm going to share this because I really feel that, you know, the Holy Spirit wants me to share it. And as I was being prayed for, his son was holding my hand really tightly. And it's funny how God speaks through different things. Now, God very clearly spoke through the picture that this pastor shared. But God was speaking to me by the fact that this guy was just holding my hand so tightly of how much God was holding me so tightly. And he didn't even say anything specifically, but God was using that very thing to speak truth into my heart. But really just to share about this uh, pastor... He'd come on this conference, um, this, and I don't even think he was part of New Frontiers. I, I don't know uh, particularly too much about him. But he shared a testimony and literally stood up for five minutes. And he talked about the fact that 20 years ago, he was a hardcore communist in Serbia. I mean, he was a big guy. I mean, you could tell he, you know, he, he was a strong 
man and, and probably stood by his values. I can imagine being a bit like the Apostle Paul. You know, communism is the way. You could see that that probably was where he came from. But God broke into his life in a way that God knew how to. And he shared a testimony of his son had cancer in his neck, the son that he'd bought on this conference. And because he was a communist, no one would come into his home. No doctors, nobody would come and help him, except some Christians. Some Christians who were called to be in Serbia. And the Christians came in, and they said to this guy, God can heal your son's cancer. So they prayed, and his son was healed. God healed his son. And that just radically changed this man's understanding of God. I mean, he just broke, God broke into his life and he gave his life to Jesus. And from that moment, he pastored at this church. His church has 200, 200 adults and 300 children. Amazing. You know, there is a real anointing on this man to minister to children. And as he shared, I just sensed that God was going to use him to minister and God was going to raise up children within this church to impact other nations, other people, because of the ministry that he has been called to. Saved to Jesus. As two Christians stepped out and prayed for this son, this man has been raised up and we can see many people come to faith and children come to faith. We saw this video of these children worshipping and it was such a wonderful sight to see 300 children in this hall, rammed packed hall, just worshipping Jesus. Incredible. But we are all called. We are all called for God's purpose to the place where he has called us to be. As Christians, we're called to be obedient, obedient to the things that God called us to be obedient to, whatever that might be. Abby and I are called to Epsom. We love Epsom, and we love, we love Sutton, but there's a specific sort of grace on us for the people of Epsom. We just, we just love the community of Epsom and around Epsom, Ashdead and Leatherhead. We're growing in our love for the people of Leatherhead. But we love this whole area, the A24. You know, and God has called us there. You know, Abby, Tom, and Noah, and myself, God has called us as a family to start something new in Epsom. And my prayer is that some of you may feel the call to come and join us as well. But it's not for everyone. Some of you will be called to other faith adventures. Called to reach other people here in Sutton. You know, your neighbours, your community, your friends, your colleagues. But my encouragement to all of us, whatever it might be, but to actively embark, actively step out into the faith adventures that God has for you, whatever that might be. 
You know, we become this mighty weapon in God's hand when we step out in faith. And the, I have one verse for us this morning. Normally, I like to expand on Scripture, but I really felt to look at this in terms of the church planting this morning. Um, but the one verse, verse I have is, and that should come up on the screen, is Matthew 28, 19 to summer 20. Now, looking at this verse, it says, therefore, and it comes straight after where Jesus has said, all authority on heaven has been given to me. And Jesus is wanting to equip us with his authority to go into the world, taking the good news. And from this, he says to, to the disciples, therefore, go and make disciples. Does it say, therefore, pastors go and make disciples? Response, no, it doesn't. Does it say, evangelists go and make disciples? No, it says, therefore, go. Everybody, everybody, all of us are called to go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's about not just going, but about baptizing, building people into the community and the family of God. We want to see people reached in all our communities and beyond. And I just have <laughs> three points in one minute, to see if I can do it, to explain or just to open up a little bit in terms of how or why church planting is so important today. Firstly, new churches, new communities are best at reaching new generations, new residents, and new people groups. Like Sutton, Epsom is made up of many different people groups. It is. There is a majority of, um, of perhaps white uh, as a people group, but there are lots of other uh, people groups in Epsom. And I'm just going to share some of those with you. Epsom is made up of Portuguese, Polish, um, Arabic, Korean, Filipino, French, and those that speak Tamil, Spanish, and Gujarati. There are a lot of people groups in Epsom that don't know Jesus. There is a, a Roman community, a gypsy community in Epsom that don't know Jesus. That God has called us to reach every single person in our local community. You know, when I first moved to Epsom, I found this coffee shop. And um, it's, it's right on the one-way system as you go down from ours into Epsom. And it's on the right-hand side. And I went in because uh, I thought I'd try it, see what it's like, and buy a coffee. And uh, I bought this coffee, and I loved it. I thought it was the best coffee I'd ever had. And I told Abby about it, and I took her there one time. And... Uh, and she, I took her and she's, she said, what, it's rubbish, what are you talking about? And so it's funny though, but I really loved it. And I think what I loved about this coffee shop is, um, is the people there, the, the, the people that owned the shop, 
and the people that came in. There was such a warm and friendly atmosphere. And I think since I'd been there, and this was a number of years ago now, um, I realised that actually this is a, a Portuguese-run coffee shop. It's a very local, a lot of locals use it. And, and I think the reason I, I loved it is just because of the, the feel and the friendly atmosphere that was in there. And I think over this last week, something has stirred in me that I think actually I'm going to have more coffee in this coffee shop. I want to get to know these people in this coffee shop. You know, we heard a testimony of, of one guy on the conference where he was saying that what he does um, is he goes to a garage uh, the same time every week to fill up with petrol. And he says the reason he does that is because he's thinking that the, the way the shifts work, that the person who is on that shift would be the same person that will be there every week. So he can go to the same person and get to know them and befriend them and show something of the love of Christ to this person and develop some way of connecting and then even possibly inviting them to something that they're doing as a church. There are lots of ways that we can connect with the community around us. You know, the gospel is the most important message that we carry. It's the most important message that we carry. Each of us in this room, we carry the light of the gospel. We do. And we carry it. And I just feel God is stirring us to to be more overtly expressive with how we communicate that to those around us. Jesus is alive. He has been raised from the dead and he lives in us. And God wants us to share that with people around us. Secondly, uh, new churches are the best way to reach the unchurched. And I'm just going to share a couple of things. These are the things I found uh, online. It's more, there's more U.S. statistics, so I'm going to share that with you. The U.S. studies show that new church plants gain 60 to 80% of its new members from people not attending church. 60 to 80% of its new members from people not attending church. Whereas churches that are 10 or 15 years old gain 80-90% of its new members from transfer from other congregations. That's in America. Looking at the history of the church in America, in 1820, there was one Christian church for every 875 residents in the States, which I think is quite high. But in 1860, 40 years later, to 1906, the American Protestant churches, they had a, a mission, they that they saw the importance of church planting. So they decided to plant one church for every increase of 350 people in the population. I mean, that's quite a, an amazing thing to, to think, right? Every time we increase the population, let's plant a church. And as they did that over those 46 years, it brought the ratio of one Christian church for every 430 people in the population. Incredible. You know, church planting was, was just normal life. It's just what the church did. It's what happened. 
There was church planting was the culture, it was the DNA of American growth in population. Well, let's plant a church. However, after World War I, church planting slowed considerably. Slowed considerably. Now, why was that? Why did it slow considerably? Well, one of the main reasons was there were strong resistance to new churches being planted. You know, there were lots of views of, you know, there's plenty of churches already, or, you know, churches would be weakened if we plant more. Or, you know, there are some struggling churches. Why don't we help those rather than start new ones? So what has happened in the US is the number of churches per people has dropped dramatically. So that, so new churches are the best way to reach the unchurched. Number three, new churches experience growth, both in the new church plant, but also in the sending church. This is what happens. Because as there's opportunity for people to step up and step out, we see growth. We see people grow spiritually. We see people grow and step out into new things. Next week, uh, Steve has kindly given Abby and I the opportunity to share on Sunday morning a bit of our vision and thoughts about Epsom. And uh, we're going to do a, a question and answer type setup. And we really feel as a couple that this church plant is a river church church plant. It is a river church plant, you know, because this is our family. You know, we're not leaving to never come back, but we are stepping out into the call of God on our lives. And we would really love every single person in River Church to be part of our journey, to be part of what we feel God is calling us to, whether that's sending us or coming with us. You know, it's, it's such a privilege to be doing this plant from such a place of strength. You know, Abby and I know we are part of a loving family here at River Church. There's so much love. It's full of love for us. And we would love to draw from that, love to draw from the strength of, of all of you as we take the step of faith with God and with God leading the way. You know, God is planting this church. God is leading us. I mean, in some ways, um, we don't really know what we're doing, but God does. God is leading us, and we're taking those steps of faith. It's a faith adventure, but God will provide. We have a big God who we believe is going to open doors for us to impact our community with the good news. And finally, um, this is the last thing I just want to say. Church planting is in the DNA of New Frontiers. It always has been. You know, if you don't know New Frontiers um, very well, it, um, New Frontiers is a movement of, of, of people um, that started in the early days of the charismatic renewal movement in the UK in the 60s and the 70s. And it's grown quite considerably under Terry Virgo's leadership. And Terry Virgo uh, stepped back and we've, uh, New Frontiers has seen the raising up of the sons of, if you like, 
Terry Verga being the father, but the men, apostolic men, have been raised up and are leading families themselves apostolically of churches across the globe to see the gospel reaching the nations. And I just want to read this from the New Frontiers website. And it says this, in the 1990s, Terry Virgo had a prophetic picture about a bow and arrow placed in the southeast corner of the UK. It was clear that the arrow, which was pointing to Europe and the rest of the world, would not be very effective unless the bow were drawn back. The interpretation of this was that we should plant churches right across the UK for the sake of energizing world mission. And therefore, church planting became a major concern. It started with initiatives led by Colin Ballon in Manchester and Dave Devonish in the Midlands. Since the 1990s, church planting has been really at the core of New Frontiers. And it's, it's in the DNA. And it's in the DNA of Jesus' mission. Jesus' mission to go and make disciples and build them into community. And I just want to finish with one quote. Yes, and this is a quote by um, Tim Keller. Anybody heard of Tim Keller? And Tim Keller says this, a vigorous and continuous approach to church planting is the only way to guarantee an increase in the number of believers and is the best way, one of the best ways, to renew the whole body of Christ. As Dave Holden said on the, the video, that his heart for us is, as, a, as a family of churches is that we would become increasingly churches who plant many, many churches. That it really is part of who we are. That we would see Epsom planting churches. That we would see and encourage our brothers and sisters who are planting churches that are stepping out in faith because their heart is sold out for Jesus. That they want to see their friends, they want to see people come to faith in Jesus. And lastly, what adventure is God calling you on? Where is God calling you to step out? To speak to somebody, to begin building a friendship? Was there somebody you spoke to some weeks or months ago and, and just God has just again planted in your mind? Maybe it's time you said hello again or that you, I don't know, went across that street, made contact. That when we put an Alpha course on here at River Church, that we'll be able to invite them and they would be ready to say, yeah, I trust that what you're going to encourage me in, that God is the hope. I mean, you, you don't have to do anything really, to be honest. The Holy Spirit does all the work. We just need to be obedient and step out in faith and trust in him. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's stand and I'll just pray for us and finish there. Father, thank you for your grace. Hallelujah. Thank you that it's not in our strength. It's not in anything that we need to do. Lord, we receive from you as we've received early in our worship. 
as we look upon your glory, your goodness, your grace, your love. Lord, we do things out of motivation because we know we're loved. We know we're your children, Jesus. We've got an eternal inheritance, Lord, that is in you. And Father, I just pray, Lord, encourage everybody here to just draw from you, step out, Lord, in the things that you've called us. Thank you for the calling on all of our lives. Jesus, thank you for your calling. And Jesus, we want to be obedient children of God. Jesus, I pray this week, help us to step out in you, Jesus, in new ways. Amen.